Avraham, Elohi Yitzhak, Elohi Yaakov, Hashem Yeshua Mishikinu, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we come to you, Lord, humble, understanding, Lord, that we are mere dust of the earth, and by your chesed and rachamim, your grace and your mercy, Lord, that you allow us to come into your presence and interact with you, the living God. Abba, I pray that you would speak to us today, that you would transform us from who we are to who you want us to be by the power of your Ruach. And we ask it, Hashem Yeshua Mishikainu, and God's people said, Amen. So we're doing a metamorphosis, transforming your life. Anyone need their life transformed? Yeah, me too. <laughs> Anyone need an aspect of your life transformed? Maybe a relationship, maybe family, maybe whatever situations that life throws our way. We need transformation continually. The scripture says we don't stay the same, but we go from one degree of glory to another. Now let me ask you this question before you get frustrated with yourself. If I were to raise the temperature in this room one degree... Between now and the time you left, you wouldn't notice, would you? <laughs> okay, so we go from one degree of glory to another. Um, it's a process, but we are being changed as we apply the principles of the Word of God. We're being changed. That's a whole, you know, when we saw that time lapse of the caterpillar becoming a butterfly, now that was a time lapse. We speeded that up drastically, but that process is very slow. And so God is changing us. And he wants to change the way we view things, from earthly thinking to spiritual thinking. But we're in our third week now of this series, and if we ever needed to grab hold of a series of messages, I believe that this is the one, since transformation is foundational to our relationship with God. I spoke about transformation beginning at the feet of Yeshua in order for uh, transformation to begin, we need to be born anew. We talked about that, and being born anew or born again is a Jewish concept of rebirth. Once we have experienced the new birth, spoken of by Yeshua in Yochanan 3, we then must surrender our will and our way for God's will and God's way in our life. We must surrender to him. Last week, Rabbi Carroll spoke on the battlefield of the mind. Let me ask you a question. Anyone ever have a battle in your mind? Come on, let's be real. Yes, that is where the battle takes place, okay? And it is an arduous battle. It's something that happens second by second, moment by moment, day by day, week by week, year by year. It's an everyday 24-7 battle. Bad news. The good news is we can overcome that, okay? And we could have the mind of Messiah in everything. So I want to encourage you there. So she spoke on, spoke on the battlefield of the mind and how we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The scripture says that our minds need to be renewed. How are they renewed? Through the word of God. Amen? They're renewed from believing falsehood or even half-truth, which the enemy is so fantastic at sowing to believing the truth, okay? And so our not minds need to be renewed. And this requires us to be diligent and consistent. Say those two words, diligent and consistent, okay? If you're not diligent and if you're not consistent, it won't happen, right? Isn't that true? If you're not diligent and consistent, consistency is so important, because consistency, day in and day out and day in and day out, it builds a pattern, a new paradigm, if you would, for how we operate. And that's both in studying and applying the truth of God's word in our life. And friends, I'm not going to tell you that that's easy to do. That's not easy to do. That's very, very challenging to do, but very, very worthwhile. Do you hear me? Very worthwhile. Today we'll be speaking about transformation, and hear this, from feelings to faith. We have been born anew, our spirits have been made alive, and we have connected to God in a real and living way. Too often after we have had this wonderful transformative experience, we are buffeted and restricted by our old nature. 
we find it hard to soar with the Ruach because we are shackled down by the earthly and confined to living moment by moment by our feelings and senses. Today I want to challenge and inspire you to be transformed in how you live out your life. Instead of being restricted by your five fleshly senses, I challenge you to be liberated and inspired by how a life lived by faith can transform the way you see things and open up new possibilities for you in your life. Faith, hear this, is the mechanism by which we access kingdom promises and enter into kingdom living. So that makes faith really important, right? Making a shift in how we live our life is really critical to living a fruitful and successful life in God. So many believers live partly by faith and partly by feeling. I want to tell you that's a bad idea. You see, because faith is how we access these great promises that we all desire. Now, let's break it down, and let me give you a natural example. So just like that's a spiritual transaction, right? There's also, to liken it to an earthly analogy, would be like this. Instead of faith being the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, I could say this. Money is the evidence of things hoped for. Right? The substance of things hoped for and the evidence. And I could prove it. Because I could say, um, Miles, I want you to get me a cup of Joe from Starbucks. Now, I was going to say Dunkin' Donuts. I could have gave you $2, but now I have to give you $5. (laughs) But I could say that it's the substance because I know I have five bucks in my pocket. So in confidence... I could proclaim that, right? Okay, and it's also the evidence of things not seen. I have no no question whatsoever that I could go into any store and buy a cup of coffee. You want to know why? Because though I'm not looking at it currently, I know it's there. And when I stand before the clerk and they say, $5 for your... It might be $8 if I want the double macchiato latte with an extra or two extra, you know, shots of espresso or whatever it is. I know I could go into my pocket and pull out the money and do the exchange. I know it. In the same way, that's how faith works. Faith is the evidence, the substance and the evidence. And when you have faith and live by faith, accessing the promises become easy. Right? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So from the first point I want to make is feelings, a double-edged sword. Here's a quote by Watchman E. Although a believer may have experienced deliverance from sin, he shall continue to be soulish. That is, powerless to overcome his natural life. If he fails to experience additionally the deep work of Yeshua's sacrifice brought about by the Ruach HaKodesh. God's given us feelings. Right? God is emotional himself. Right? It says in the word that he rejoices over you with singing. And that word... Uh, in the Hebrew, it gives a sense of a twirling, an excitement that God is excited about you. God has given us our five senses and has wired us to be emotional. If we allow these senses and emotions to be governed by our old nature, they will work against us and even hurt us. But if we are governed by the Ruach, they will work for us and bring blessing and peace to our souls. Someone wrote this, emotions and mood can affect temperament, personality, disposition, and motivation. They can affect a person's physical well-being, judgment, and perception. 
Emotions play a critical role in how individuals behave and react to external stimuli. They are often internalized enough for people to fail to notice when they are at work. Emotions and mood can cloud judgment and reduce rationality in decision-making. So emotions, though they can be good, they can also buffet reality in our lives. Look what it says. So it's very important, then, how your emotions and feelings are governed. What's governing your emotions and feelings? Is it the spirit, the ruach, or is it your old nature? Since we have been made emotional beings and our emotions are um, fantastic when governed by the ruach, they could also be harmful when ruled by old nature. And it says this in, in Galatians, the letter to the Messianic community in Galatia. Look what he says. What, are, what am I saying? It's this. Run your lives by the Ruach. Then you will not do what your old nature wants. For the old nature, he's writing to believers who have been born anew. He says, for the old nature wants what is contrary to the Spirit. Not the things of God. Not the things that will benefit your life. The old nature wants what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit wants what's contrary to the old nature. These oppose each other. You ever feel like you have a battle going on? These oppose each other. So that you find yourself unable to carry out your good intentions. And it is perfectly evident what the old nature does so you don't have to be confused. It expresses itself in sexual immorality. And that's not only in deed, that's also in thought. Impurity, indecency, involvement with the occult, with drugs, infuting, fighting, becoming jealous, and getting angry. These are the old nature. In selfish ambition, factionalism, intrigue, and envy, in drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you now, as I have warned you before, this is Rav Shaul, that those who do such things will have no share in the kingdom of God. Here, Rav Shaul outlines how our emotions governed by our old nature are self-destructive. But here's the great news. It goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. Nothing in the Torah stands against such things. Who doesn't want these emotions running through our lives, right? Do you not want those? We certainly don't want the former list. We want the latter. Okay, we want these emotions, but these emotions are governed by faith and governed by the Ruach. Moreover, those who belong to the Messiah Yeshua have put their old nature to death on the stake along with its passions and desires since it is through the Spirit that we have life. Let it also be through the Spirit that we order our lives day by day. Both of these lists found in this passage are rooted in feelings and emotion. The difference is found in what we allow to govern our feelings and our emotions? Will it be the spirit of God or will it be our old nature? In Romans, the letter to the Romans, chapter 8, it says, for those who identify with their old nature set their minds on the things of the old nature. But those who identify with the Ruach set their minds on the things of the Ruach. Having one's mind controlled by the old nature is death. But having one's mind controlled by the Ruach 
is life and shalom. The old nature lives and dies by feelings. While those who live by the spirit, which is accessed by faith, are blessed and prosper. Watchman E said this, is a quote, the more one probes the workings of an emotional life, the more he will be convinced of its vacillation and undependability. No one should wonder that a child of God who walks by emotion rather than by the spirit usually comports himself in a wave-like fashion. Up and down, up and down, up and down. He bemoans his existence because it is so unstable. Sometimes he appears to live in the third heaven transcending everything while at other times he plunges to the low level of an ordinary man. His existence is replete with ups and downs. It does not require an enormous circumstance to change him for he is unable to withstand even the tiniest mishap. God doesn't want us to be up and down. Not to say that we won't have times of up and down, but that's not the desire of God. He wants us to be able to walk, good or bad, in difficulty and trial and hardship, and in great times, even keeled. Not tossed to and fro by our emotions. Okay, we, we wake up on the right side of the bed, everything's good. We wake up on the wrong side of the bed, we hate everyone. He wants us to be controlled by the Ruach. Here's a little ditty I found, a little quote someone someone had out there. Feelings come and feelings go, and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God. Nothing else is worth believing. Think about that. So with this being the case, I want to strongly encourage you to live your life, and here's my second point, governed by faith. Friends, you want great relationships, you want a great marriage, you need to exercise your faith and, be, and let your life be governed by faith. If you want a happy life, you need to be governed by faith because the Lord knows how the enemy can manipulate circumstance. Ask Job. In Matthew 14, an awesome story. We all know it, but it bears looking at again. Immediately, he, Yeshua, had the Talmudim get in the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he sent the crowds away, and after he had sent the crowds away, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night came on, and he was there alone. But by this time, the boat was several miles from shore. Battling a rough sea and headwind around 4 o'clock in the morning... Can you imagine? Four o'clock in the morning, you still didn't make it across. I don't know about you. Four o'clock in the morning, I'm very low energy. Four o'clock in the morning, here's the Talmudim rowing and battling. And all of a sudden, he came toward them walking on the lake. I mean, I come on. I know you guys are Joe Cool. You wouldn't have thought anything of it. You would have waved. Okay? Not them. When the Talmudim saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Terrified. Say terrified. It's a pretty strong feeling, isn't it? They were terrified. It's a ghost. They said and screamed with fear. Have you ever screamed in fear? Yeah, come on, come on, men. Huh? You ever scream with fear and take on you went on that that roller coaster? <laughs> come on. Screamed in fear. But at once Yeshua spoke to them, Courage, he said. It is I. Stop being afraid. Then Kepha called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. So Kepha got out of the boat and walked on the water toward Yeshua, but he saw When he saw the wind, he became afraid. Another feeling. He was afraid. He saw Yeshua. He felt good. 
He sees the wave. He's afraid again. That ever happened to you? You're afraid. You get a little consolation. And then again gripped by fear. And as he be- and when he said that, as he became afraid, he began to sink. And yelled, Lord, save me. Yeshua immediately stretched out his hand, took hold of him and said to him, look what he says to him, out of all the things he could have said. He could have said, good job, you, you did well. You took ten steps on the water, fantastic. Could have said a lot of things, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> this is a feat only I could do. Don't worry about it, this is not for the, you know, novice. He said, you have little faith. He challenged his faith in that moment. Why did you doubt? As they went up into the boat, the wind ceased. The man in the boat, the men in the boat fell down before him and exclaimed, you are really God's son. This Mishal, or parable, gives us insight into a life governed by fear contrasted to a life governed by faith. In this case, it's the same life. Kegfa, who ends up being the focal point of our story, is very relatable, isn't he? As he struggles with real-world things. Um, He's living out his life in light of his faith in Messiah. He's having some ups and some downs. But God's not happy with his downs, is he? The Messiah said, no, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And later, he begins to focus on Kepha, right? And Kepha is ultimately a changed person in this area. And God is looking for us to be changed as well. Are you believing for something? Faith is the way to get it. So as the Talmudim were in the boat, they were about three or four miles out with about a mile to go or so. So think, it's four o'clock in the morning, terrible headwinds, they still have a mile to go. And Yeshua comes up on them and, and they, they, they're terrified, they think it's a ghost. You know, in the first century... Um, belief in ghosts or disembodied spirits was a co- was common uh, in the populace, uh, even though it con- uh, contradicted Jewish teachings on the resurrection. It was out there. Yet Yeshua speaks to them in that moment, in their terror, in their feeling. And he says, courage. Don't be afraid. So immediately, they're terrified. Yeshua gets them to focus on him. Courage to you. They calm down. The weather hasn't changed. They're still in a storm. Kepha now, filled with faith, his eyes fixed on Yeshua, Yeshua comforted him, says, Lord, tell me to come out of the boat and walk to you. Yeshua says, Bo, come. He gets out of the boat and he starts walking with his eyes fixed on Yeshua. I don't know, maybe you were saying, wow, this is fantastic. I don't know what he thought, it doesn't say. But it says when he saw the wind, He became afraid. You and I both know you can't see wind. But you can see the effects of the wind. In other words, he saw the storm, the the circumstance. You ever see that movie, um, The Perfect Storm? Remember that wave at the end? My goodness. You're like, humana, humana, humana. Wow. Can you imagine seeing the waves? You're on the water now, by the way. You're not in a boat. He was a fisherman, probably felt more comfortable in the boat. That's what he knew. But he's on the water, solo. 
He sees the, the, the waves, the wind, and he's terrified. And as he starts to get, give in to those feelings, he begins to sink. That's a bad scenario. Sinking in a storm means drowning. Cries out to Yeshua. Yeshua takes him by the hand, lifts him up, takes him back to the boat, and says, Okay, for where's your faith? I believe he would say the same thing to us in our storms that we face in life. Where's your faith? What are you focusing on? Focus is a tough thing, isn't it? I think at large, as a society, we are undisciplined and don't know how to focus well. To be focused on Yeshua in our lives. You think you could do it? You see, faith was the difference maker in the story. While he was fixed on Yeshua, he had faith that caused this storm to be inconsequential. Storms of life, the struggles we face, the struggles in our relationships, the struggles in our inconsequential because he was fixed on someone who allowed him to walk over the storm. Do you hear me? He was fixed, and that's not fake, it's not phony, it's not religion, it's real. He allowed him to walk over the storm victoriously. You see, when we are governed by our flesh and controlled by only our natural senses and feelings, we're easily overwhelmed by life and its circumstances. But when we focus our attention on Yeshua and his ability to enable us to overcome the storms in our lives, we are able to walk above our problems. As the scripture says, for we walk by, not by sight. See, if when Kepha was walking by sight, wind and waves, no good. When he was walking by faith, In the Son of God, it worked out. You see, when we say we walk by faith in Messiah, not by our natural senses, which are easily manipulated. So the difference maker in our lives is tied to our ability to live by faith, not by our feelings. We have feelings every day. And a lot of them, not good feelings. Faith is therefore paramount for us as a community of people who love and serve God. So obtaining and living in faith is important to us. By the way, faith has also been hijacked by the church world. Faith teachers all over the place, right? Who's the father of faith? Avraham. Is the father of faith. He is the one that we could look to to get an example of what it is living by faith. He had an ability to focus on God that nothing, even though God blessed him tremendously, those things meant nothing to Abraham because he was focused on the living God. You see, even though it is truly a simple, simple principle, it will take diligence and dedication to transition from walking by your feelings to walking by faith. I'm going to say most people, at best, probably do 50-50. It's probably high. God wants to see that increase. It says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Messiah, does it not? 
What does that mean? What does it mean faith comes by hearing the word of Messiah? Well, I believe it's more than just hearing the word of God read or proclaimed. If that were the case, this country would have spiritual giants everywhere. You turn on the TV, right? It's all over the airwaves. People have never realized in this day, for them to get a letter to be circulated was... Precious. <laughs> if we drill down on that just a little bit, it's really pointing to a relationship which is like all relationships centered on communication. You hear that? Centered on communication. The great importance Shaul attached to hearing immediately reminds one of Yeshua. In all Messiah's teachings, both on earth and from heaven, it would be difficult to discover any exhortation which he repeated more often in one form or another than the one about hearing. Better still, listening. Hearing and listening. Hearing and listening. You want a good relationship with your spouse? Hearing and listening. Since the context is Israel, which was in an on-again, off-again relationship with God, they are encouraged to once again listen and be engaged in the relationship with Hashem. That points them to Messiah. Faith is built through communication. Communication is the cornerstone of relationship. Tell me the relationship that you have with no communication. Okay, tell me. Oh, I have a great, super, fantastic relationship, and you have zero communication in that relationship. Tell me one. Show me one. doesn't exist. The better the relationship, the better the communication, and in our case, the stronger our faith. Faith does not exist outside of relationship. Hear that. Faith does not exist outside of relationship. The reason we have strong relationships is because we have invested in them through dialogue and spending time with those we are relationship with. The longer we have the relationship and the more interaction that happens within that relationship, the more implicitly will we trust that relationship and that person, in this case God. And the stronger the relationship becomes, the more that relationship can endure. I want to say this. If you have a fragile relationship in the natural, a fragile relationship, I bet you have poor communication. Hey, by the way, if you have a poor relationship with God, I bet you have poor communication with God. Listen, I know a lot of believers, and if I could tell you, so many believers struggle to have daily, regular time with God. They may spend... Let me ask you this. Let's paint a picture. Man finds a bride, the love of his life. Oh, that's the one. And man goes after bride with all his heart. Right? Maybe you can relate. And the man calls the bride, the, wife, the woman daily. And they go out often. And it becomes an all-consuming relationship. And that leads them to the chuppah where they take their sacred vows. Could you imagine if after the vows were sealed and the glass was broken, mazel tov! The man says, oh, by the way, this is the way it's going to work. My love, my bride. I'm going to spend two to three hours a week with you every week. 
once a week for two to three hours. Be well. What do you think that relationship would be like? What do you think it would be like when he walked in the door? You think he'd find a loving, trusting wife at the other end? How could she? He would be someone she barely knows. Someone she's barely connected to. Someone she probably doesn't trust all that much. Yet we do that with God. We want a powerful faith. We want to be able, because no one really could relate to that thing. I, I, when I said it with the money, we could relate. Money is the evidence. You know you could go out and buy a cup of coffee. It's in your pocket. You got it. But you don't know you got faith. But is that surprising? When we spend, we invest so little time in that relationship? Friends, there is no relationship outside of communication. How often are we communicating with Yeshua? Ask yourself that question. How often are you communicating with Yeshua? Is it daily? Occasionally? Once or twice a month? Never? Is it only what you get here? To break it down simply, our relationship with Yeshua dictates the strength of our faith. The amount of time we spend investing in that relationship is directly related to our faith. Since faith is the mechanism by which we access the kingdom and its promises, an honest evaluation of our faith and relationship with God will go a long way in diagnosing many of the problems we have in our own lives as well as the body of the Messiah. Listen to me. I cast no judgment on you as to where your faith is at. I'm not saying, oh, wow, your faith stinks and my faith is great. No way. What I'm saying is we should each take an honest look at our faith. How is our communication with Yeshua? See, we often want the benefits of a life of faith without the relationship. Isn't that true? How can we expect our faith to be strong if we don't invest time in our relationship with God? I mean, really, if religion is all we want, a little taste, a little spattering, like salt on a, on a meal, you dip in, that's fine. You could have that, and you could enjoy your experience. You could get something from it. I believe that. But are you going to have the substance to really get the promises that you read in the word of God into your life. How do you get that substance in the natural? You just, do you do nothing for it? No, you work hard for the ability to drive out of this parking lot today or tomorrow morning and go to the bagel shop tomorrow morning and plunk down $20 for a dozen bagels and some cream cheese. You work hard for that. And you work every day for that. And you work overtime for that. And you get the substance that you worked for. You have it. And when the guy says 20 bucks, you don't go, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? You go into your pocket and you pull it out and say, here it is. Well, in the same way, if faith works the same way, every day, Diligently working hard at our relationship with God, spending time with Him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, communicating with Him, Him speaking to us, and us speaking to Him. 
And when a situation comes in our lives, when the wind and the wave and the storm is raging, that we, he says, come on, Michael, you can do this. You can walk over it. And you say, you know what? I can. Because I got faith right here. I worked for it. I have it. I invested the time. I could get out of the boat and begin to walk, even when the situation doesn't change. Didn't change for Kepha. He got out of the boat in the midst of the storm and walked over it in victory. Matthew Yahu 6 says, But when you pray, go away by yourself. Get alone. Get isolated. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father secretly, and your father who knows your secrets will reward you. He'd say and do that on a regular basis. Get alone with God. I'll tell you, we live as believers devoid of a relationship with God. We give God very, very little and expect a lot. I really believe if you would, look, if you would see it for what it really is, God is so overly gracious toward us. He is... Wow. But I'll tell you what he won't do. He comes through for us because he has mercy on us and he he does these other things, not necessarily because of our faith. But he doesn't give us faith. He might come through for us, but faith comes through relationship. You have to get your own faith. You have to pray it down, worship it up, however you want to talk about it. Interact with the living God. So for us, our relationship with God is established and developed through reading and hearing the word, our time spent in prayer and worship. As well as the times we gather as a community of faith, it involves listening for God and to God, as willing as reflecting that through our actions. It's really simple. The components are simple. It's about being in the Word of God, allowing the Word of God to speak to you. It's about praying to God, and not only praying, one-sided praying, but listening for God. It's about worshiping the living God. What is relationship? That is it. But we spend zero time doing that. Or little. And then we complain. Quite frankly, listen, I've complained. So I'm not putting... I've, I've done my share of convention to God. And know what God always does in all my convention? And this is funny, right? He points me back to him. What does he say? Come to me. Why? Because it is in that communication with him that he's going to... Something's going to happen. He's going to impart faith to me. And you know what? He always does. I'll read the word and he'll encourage me and impart faith to me that lets me move on another day. But often we want it without that. And then we wonder that we go days and days and days and days without communication with him. We complain that our life isn't all that we want our life to be. How how is your life going to be all that you want your life to be? without God. If you could figure that out, first of all, then you don't need God. I spent almost half my life trying to figure it out without God. And it didn't work out for me. And I don't think it's going to work out for you. So, if God is the way Shouldn't we be investing our time in in that direction? For some of you, you need to to get some discipline and some dedication. And you need to write a schedule that I am going to spend time in the Word of God, listening to God, worshiping God, speaking with God, praying to God, obeying God. 
I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do, do it not just for a day, but today and tomorrow and the next day and the rest of your life. And you will see that as you do that consistently over time, your faith will increase. You will be able to weather greater and greater storms to the point where someone like Job, they took, everything was taken from Job. And his wife said, curse God and die. And he said, yet will I praise him. Though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Nothing, nothing. Listen, he lost his whole family. He was able to walk over it because of his faith in God. I know you too want to be able to overcome. These disciplines, when done regularly and treated like other healthy relationships, will prove to strengthen our relationship with God and take our faith to new levels. This happens and works in the natural, and it works in the spiritual. My wife and I are celebrating 25 years of marriage Wednesday. That's not, I say that to say this, that's hard work. Does it happen? Oh, well, you, well, you believe as your rabbis, you stay together, that's just the way it is. No. You work at it every day, communicating, sit down, communicating, hashing over things, misunderstanding, sitting down, working through them, talking through them. Committed to the process, committed to each other. Willing to change. I've changed a lot in 25 years. And I've changed a lot because I needed to change. But the same is true of my relationship with God. I've changed a lot and grown a lot, not because I've stayed away from God and he mystically waved anything over my head. No, I have worked in, with my relationship with God, spending time with him, crying out to God in despair, seeking his face when I didn't feel like it, worshiping him when I wanted to go off and do something else. Don't you think I'm like you? Have the, the cares of the world nipping at your heels, family desires to go do something else, and no, it's time to seek God for me. And then pushing those things away to do that, day in and day out. Not easy. But guess what? If you ever want to have something in the bank, faith, a faith reserve in the bank, and never put anything in, folks, that's just unrealistic. That's just ain't going to happen. It's not real. That's not life. That's not how it works. You only can pull out what you put in. I'm going to close with this quote from Watchman Nee. What are the servants of the Lord seeking today? Countless ones aspire to spiritual power. But this power is obtained solely by paying a price. Should a believer die to his emotion, he will possess spiritual might. It is because he leans too much on his emotion and is bound too strongly to his desire, affection, and feeling that the believer forfeits real power. Only a deeper operation by Messiah can fill us with spiritual dynamite. Other than that, there is no way to it. When Messiah's sacrifice works upon our desire, enabling us to live completely for God, spiritual power will naturally be evidenced in us. Completely for God. And by the way, when I say that, it doesn't mean God is not a killjoy. Living completely for God doesn't mean, oh, that's it, what a drink. Living completely for God is living the happiest life you could, you could ever have because God knows. But this is the thing. We want to do it without God, but we want the benefits of a relationship with God. We want to be blessed in the city, blessed in the country, head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Right? But you want to do it void of that relationship. It cannot and it will not happen. So this is my encouragement for you. Build your faith. 
You got to measure when you were born anew. But you need to build your faith. How? Every day in relationship with Yeshua. Seeking him, praying to him, reading his word, doing what it says. Every day. And guess what? In 10 months or two years from now, when a storm arises in your life, you'll say, I got this. I'll get out of the boat and walk toward Yeshua. Why? Because that's what I've been doing all along. And I'm going to overcome this storm. And it's not, I'm not going to sink to the bottom, but I'm going to walk over it. And I'm going to be victorious. I'm not going to doubt. I'm going to believe. You can't work that up. That comes by what you have done till that point. So I want to encourage you. Get that aspect of your life in order. Stop living on your feelings. Live by your faith. Amen? Don't live by your feelings. Live by faith in the Son of God. Build that relationship. Let that faith grow. Let's stand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Father, I pray that you would bless your people. Lord, that you would, Lord, heal them in their bodies, prosper them in their spirits. Lord, that you would do exceedingly, abundantly above all they ask or imagine in this week ahead. And we ask it, B'Shem Yeshua. Amen.